This is episode number 139. How Breathwork Benefits the Mind, Body, and Spirit with Mark Gitt. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lokid, and this is the Overcoming Outs Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement, first one being regarding our weekly conversations, which take every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time, called Courageous Conversations. This is a space where we come together and share on the topic that matters most to us. If you would like to know more details on how you can join any of these upcoming conversations, go ahead and leave us a message through our website to which we'll respond to you with all the ways that you can join any of these upcoming calls. Second announcement I would like to make is regarding our upcoming event in two months called Survive to Thrive. This is a two-day event that will take place on Saturday and Sunday, during which you will hear stories from speakers from all over the country and be a part of breakthrough sessions that are intended to help you share your own story. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash events. Now, let's get back to our show. Mark, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, brother. It's so great. It's always great to sit down with you, Oleg. It's like a cup of coffee, even though I haven't drinking coffee in quite some time. So I appreciate, <laughs> well, appreciate I cer- the caffeine. I certainly don't have my cup next to me right now. So that's maybe something that we have to imp- re-implement into our, into our conversations. Um, we'll first see, of all, we'll thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Mm-hmm. And um, as you and I had a conversation, I think it's been probably four to five months ago initially in that podcast that we recorded. And I actually still remember the conversation we were having. It was about living your story and the importance of it. And so I'm glad that we're able to kind of reconnect around this topic of uh, breath work today and dive into it. And as I was sharing with you earlier, I had, um, I had a recent realization within the past couple of months where during meditation, I've realized how I had was or was experiencing shortness of breath. And I remember in particular sitting down and halfway through the meditation, just feeling my uh, throat close in mm-hmm. more and more. And that's where I got in, interested in kind of this concept of breath work and really expanding my lungs as much as I can. But I'll also admit that at the time I knew very little of the concept to begin with. And then I remember you did quite a bit of that work. Uh-huh. So I okay. thought in my mind, okay, what better person to have a conversation with than Mark about all of it? And so the way that I want to approach this is maybe start off with a little bit of kind of your history as far as why did you choose that concept to begin with? Like what sure. made sense to you that said, hey, this is something that I want to implement within my life? Yeah, great, great question. So I distinctly remember the move. I moved from New York to San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. And I was currently working as a business consultant and I was up in Portland with one of my clients. 
and we went out for delicious meal and sort of went from business mode to just casual. And someone had said, Hey, what are you working on right now? And I said, breathing. And the person laughed and they go, no, no, really, what are you working? I said, no, seriously, breathing. I'm super, <laughs> I'm super fascinated. It wasn't breathing. Like I need to relax breathing. It was, mm -hmm. I was just super fascinated with breathing as a tool to help one drop into the present and discover more about their self. And so to back up a little bit in meditation, as you sort of just articulated, we become aware of the breath. Mm -hmm. And then in yoga practice, which I've been practicing yoga for over a decade, you use the breath as the vehicle to move between asana, to move between physical pose, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's this linking between the movement and the breath that becomes a meditation so that you could achieve focus so that you're purely there in the present. Before even I got into yoga, I was a competitive triathlete and I taught triathlon with USA as a USA triathlon coach and breathing was utterly important for athletic performance. If you didn't learn to monitor your breathing in a way that you kept your heart rate down, you would burn out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as you, as we ran, we would focus on our breathing in a way that allowed us to stay calm in a meditative state so that we could run for 26.2 miles and, you know, and do it really well. And I just re distinctly remember reading about the cheetah and how the cheetah when it runs, the reason it goes so dang fast is because its body actually pulls on the lungs and just like our lungs, right? When we, they can kind of work like a bellows, right? That sort of, mm -hmm. you know, puffs oxygen into a fire. We have control of it. Cheetahs do not. When, when their legs extend, it actually expands the lungs. And then when they contract, it pushes the air out. And so it's a forced inhale and exhale. So as the cheetah's running, it's like, <laughs> and what that does is it allows them to pump a tremendous amount of oxygen into their body so they could, they could perform, right? Mm -hmm. As humans, we have the incredible ability to actually uh, control our breath in association with our movement. So all of these things came together where when I started stepping really into my coaching practice, I had realized that breathing is super important and it's something that we so often overlook because it's so simple, right? It's natural, but learning to use breath in a way that helps you with your current focus is utterly crucial. And that could be from literally going up on stage. Like when I coach people, when they go to speak on the TEDx stage mm -hmm. and learning just to use a specific type of breath to calm the nervous system. Or if you're looking to take a client into the unconscious, maybe the shadow realm and looking to help unblock some things that they might not be aware of, you would use a different type of breathing that takes them into a holotropic state so that they can then more fully take another perspective at what exactly is going on in their life. Mm -hmm. So I just was utterly fascinated with breathing and decided, okay, I'm going to do some research. And I still have a goal one day to write a children's book on this, but that's not, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not here right now. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you bring up a lot of very good points. I think one of the first ones that I want to dive into is you are right as far as I, I have been someone who underestimate the power of breathing because it's a given, just yep. like my ability to hear or see. I, it's something that I wake up with every single day. But then what I began to realize was the importance of understanding how you breathe impacts your state of being drastically. Yes. I mean, yep. slowing it down helps with anxiety and then yep. and increasing or other types of breath can help probably depression and all these other things that we experience as humans. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to know, without going into kind of a encyclopedia format with this, but can you break down some different techniques that you are aware of when it comes to breathing that have helped people either deal with anxiety or like you said, calming their nervous system before they get onto the TEDx stage as well as some of the sure. other forms? Yeah. So like many other things, you can make it super simple and still mm-hmm. get a lot out of it. And then there's nuanced more specific things that you can build upon if you want. So I want to just make that clear that all of the things that we're going to talk about today can Mm -hmm. be made extremely simple and still have tremendous benefit. They could also expand into some more nuanced areas as well. So the one you bring up is Mm -hmm. become the most popular. And, you know, it's funny watching the cultural norms change as we grow as a society to where meditation now is an okay term. You're able to say, Hey, I need five minutes to meditate or I need to meditate on that. Or, Hey, we're going to have a meditation before this business meeting. That's actually not uncommon right now. And that's amazing. And that's beautiful. 20 years ago, not the case. That would have been 10 years ago. I can remember having it some yeah. stigma when it came to, hey, I'm going to, I, I even had it, for example, when I first heard of that concept meditation, yeah. I laughed, I said, what, yeah. what is that? Why would you ever do that? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and thankfully, that's changed. And thankfully, mm-hmm. now meditation has, has been an accepted practice amongst many different paradigms of thought to be something that helps you in the present. So the most popular is essentially just elongating the breath. So utterly simple. It's doing what you just mentioned right there. It's becoming aware that you're breathing mostly just up in the chest area. And then so actually expanding it down into filling up the lower belly, filling up the lower sides, filling up the lower back, filling up the upper back. And it's incredible how much more oxygen and air you can fit into your lungs when you really slow down. And so that honestly is the most important. And when I used to teach working with students, that was crucial, mainly because slowing down the breath, as you brought up in relation to anxiety, Mm -hmm. it taps into the parasympathetic nervous system and it gets you to calm down. So the fight or flight aspect of being human, when you slow your breath down, it gets you to feel more relaxed. Now, anyone who's listening, who's ever taken a yoga class has probably heard their yoga teacher say that. That's the most popular. Every yoga teacher training, that's what they tell their students to tell their students. And so that's key. Where I would go one step further 
is what has become popular now actually by the Navy SEALs, which has made it okay for everyone to practice, which is the form of box breathing. And if you're going in the yogic text, it's kumbhaka, which is the retention of breath. So you inhale, hold the inhale, exhale, hold the exhale, and then return to inhale again. And then you work to expand that box. So what's most popular, and now I actually did get the chance to talk with Navy SEALs who have actually used this, and they have shared with me that when they're sitting there in the helicopter quietly to go into their mission, this is a practice that they do because it completely gets you into the present. Yes, it calms you down, but it also gets you to clear any of the mental clutter. Now, anyone who has a meditation practice knows about the monkey mind. It's the thing that happens when you start meditating and you go, where do all these thoughts come from? I'm trying to stop them, but they just keep coming in. And it's this crazy, amazing disassociative feeling where you're like, what is the mind? And you become mm -hmm. aware of the monkey mind. So these Navy SEALs, they do the box breathing and it clears away any of the mental clutter. It relaxes the somatic nervous system so that when you enter into a high stress situation, you're able to do it in a completely present and constructive way that uh, leads to incredible performance. You could see why Navy SEALs do it. You can equally see why CEOs of big companies do it as well, because there is a correlative stress associated with both. Clearly, one is actually more dangerous than the other, but, <laughs> but, but the stress level is the mm -hmm. same. So box breathing has become extremely popular in the corporate setting, and you'll see people do this all the time. Mm -hmm. What is the relationship between, and this is something that I've been trying to understand more and more of inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. Is that, does that somehow get in more oxygen? And if not, I mean, is there a difference between doing that compared to exhale through your nose and exhale through your nose or inhale through your mouth and exhale through your mouth? So that's a great question. And to be 100% honest with you, mm -hmm. I don't know the right answer. Mm -hmm. And the reason I don't know the right answer is because different schools of thought have a different approach to mm -hmm. why you would do one or the other. Mm -hmm. So the other day when we were in our men's group, Oleg, I walked us through circular breathing, I believe. Oh, no, wait, that was the next week. I, I think I shared circular breathing with you. But circular breathing goes in through the nose and then exhales through the mouth. Mm -hmm. I do it that way uh, because that's how the lineage teaches it and it works. To be completely honest, have I noticed the difference if I do it through the mouth? No. I do believe there's a change when you breathe in through the nose, just like if you, if you purse your lips when you breathe out, it's a cooler temperature. So you are cooling the, the air as it goes in. And then through the mouth, you're letting out a lot of that heat. So mm -hmm. I think there's an aspect of that that's pretty important. But again, I personally haven't noticed a major mm -hmm. difference. So I don't get caught up in that. If that is something that, allow, that, that takes you away 
from the present. For instance, if it makes you more anxious, then you just go ahead and you breathe through your nose. But mm -hmm. in circular breathing, which I'm happy to walk us through here, you breathe in through the nose and you exhale through the mouth. And again, I think it's because it cools the air coming in and then it allows any of the heat to escape through the mouth. That makes sense. The, the other thing your listeners might be interested in is in terms of the yogic nadi system, or if you're familiar with any of the meridian points throughout mm -hmm. the body, uh, it's just simply the energetic channels that move throughout the body. Now, this is not accepted widely in a lot of the scientific community, but if you look into the yoga community, into uh, more of the Eastern mystic kind of communities, and even in a lot of schools of thought or scientific schools of thought that are perhaps on the line of pseudoscience, depending on who you're speaking to, uh, you'll hear people talk about the Nadi system or the Meridian. And anyone who's ever taken acupuncture or gotten acupuncture, uh, that's essentially the, the Meridian channels, which just allow the energy to move through the body. And that's where you would use a different type of breathing, which is in one exhale or in one nostril and then out the other. That's a very nuanced, specific type of breathing, though, that I wouldn't do with most people, uh, even though it is actually really cool. Wow. This is all fascinating to me for a lot of different reasons. I, I, the, well, the first See, one is because it's, it's cool, right? I, it's genuinely something that I wanted to learn and not even for the sake of, like I said, controlling yeah. anxiety or the state of being, but more so just understanding why do certain things work the way they do? I mean, yeah. How often do I take a breath and I don't even understand how it's going in, how it's going out? Yeah. And every single time, depending on what I'm doing, it's different. If I'm exercising, the speed at which I breathe is 50x compared to the time when I'm reading a book. And so I've always been fascinated about how am I able to operate in both of those conditions under a very different set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only through understanding different methods that I'm able to become more aware of them in order to help improve whatever the system that's currently here as far as I'm operating from and then expand um, my lungs, hopefully increase my capacity for oxygen even more. And then who knows the impact that's, that's going to have on performance. Yeah. I want to bring up two things here. So mm -hmm. the, the first of course is that yes, the, the more oxygen you can get in uh, and it actually stays within your system, the more effective your athletic performance will be. This is why people like Lance Armstrong, the type of uh, doping that they were doing puts more O2 into the bloodstream so that then you could actually work out at a harder level without breakdown of the muscles. Breathing is one way in which you're able to do that without a doubt. And that's where if you are looking for breath work in terms of athletic performance, you'll see people, they put these masks on mm -hmm. that actually make it a little bit harder to breathe, or they'll do an altitude tent when they sleep at night. And these type of things, uh, they expand the body so that it can hold more oxygen in it which then makes you faster, stronger come performance day. Now, this is like the, subtle, the subtleness of the Olympics and all of that. For guys mm -hmm. like you and I who aren't, you know, I was trying to get in the Olympics at one time in my life. I don't really care about that at all right now. But for guys like us that are just looking for uh, performance in our lives, meaning we show up with full presence, we 
are as healthy as we can be, we're as, uh, you know, our mental acuity is, is as great as it can be, and we also have, you know, a strong physical health, yeah, getting into an exercise routine that expands you into uh, a heightened state of breathing is, is pretty crucial, and it's actually been shown to increase testosterone for men as well. You don't need very much of it. Seven minutes is usually all you need, but it, it, it leads to these, this growth inside the body. I want to bring up one other thing real quick, can I? Mm -hmm. Of course. So this is the one that I think is super fascinating. So the type of breathing that we did the other day, which Wim Hof has made very popular, mm -hmm. which is simply just an exaggerated inhale and then a relaxed exhale. And you do that 30 times. Now, if you do that for 15 minutes, as we were talking about earlier, that's going to take you completely into a holotrophic state, right? Stanislav Grof did a lot of research on that with his concept of holotrophic breathing, similar to a psychedelic experience. But just doing 30 breaths of it, exaggerated inhale, relaxed exhale. What that does is it pops. It creates this pop in the body that brings your emotional state online. Now, this hmm. is super crucial in times of fear and uncertainty as we're seeing now, mm -hmm. uh, particularly with coronavirus. But a lot of times we as a culture, we just stuff down our emotions. And honestly, as you really step into real courageous leadership, we have to get more comfortable with our emotions and turn it into energy in motion. So transmute that emotion. But men in particular, women too, we're not very good at doing that because we haven't been taught how to do that. So by doing the 30 breaths like I do with my clients, what that does is it quickly puts us into a felt experience state where we're mm. able to feel the emotion that we have and it allows tears to come out if need be. It allows a, a yelp to come out. It allows, uh, it allows for you know, anger to really show up. Point being is you're allowed to actually feel the energy of that emotion in the present. And I think that's really cool because mm -hmm. that's something that I'll speak for myself as a man in particular. It took many years for me to be able to bring my emotions to the surface in a way that I can actually transmute them into mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. And you're spot on with that. I think from my experience as well, it took me years to understand that it's okay for me to express how I'm feeling and what I'm feeling in, in certain situations yeah. because it's, it, yeah. I think it's just part of the culture that maybe we get, not all of us, but some of us get brought up. And as far as, Hey, it, it for, for male, whenever you experience these thoughts, just bottle it down, kind of suck it up, keep going through it, keep finding a way. But really what, what I've learned over time is that the more I bottle it down, the more it's going to come up and it usually comes up in different forms mm -hmm. yep. and it wears a disguise and unless I'm self-aware and understand where the origin might be, then I'm ultimately solving an area of that problem that's not even the problem to begin with. So it's it's um interesting exercise that I think you put us through um, or that I've done with you when it comes to just, that's one of the things that I've been very fortunate to observe during my friendship with you is your ability to be aware in the moment mm -hmm. and use these different techniques to help not only calm your state of being, but ultimately what I'm also learning is 
by taking a breath before a conversation or an event or an experience, whatever it may be, you actually, I give myself the opportunity to align my energy on the same playing field as that other person may be. Sure. And that's yeah. where I think the beauty can happen as far as we, we've met each other almost halfway in that conversation. Yeah, that's a great point that you bring up. And I don't know the correct language to use to speak about that. Mm -hmm. You know, some people would say you match their vibration. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's really the language I like to use, but there is a felt connected experience when you're able to match the person as you, as you put it. Yeah. You know, what I want to bring up really quick as well is mm -hmm. this concept of emotional intelligence mm -hmm. came out with, I think, what was it? Uh, uh, Daniel Goatman's work, emotional intelligence, I believe I might pronounce his last name wrong. And it came out in the eighties and it was super important in the education world and in the business world through the nineties and early two thousands. But still to this day, when people talk about EQ, when they talk about their emotional quotient and mm -hmm. their ability to understand and articulate and express emotions, it's all very heady. It's all really in this calm, collected way of talking about it. And I get it in the business world. That's kind of what you want. You don't want someone raging in front of you. <laughs> or you also, you know, whenever I'm on stage, I don't want to be sobbing on stage. Yet the point that I, and this is kind of my latest mission, particularly with men mm -hmm. is, Hey, let's take that into another space. Let's create a safe space, a different space. And it could be completely anonymous, which is a lot of times what the men's intensives are, which is fine, but there needs to be another space where you actually allow the body to feel the emotion. And it's mm -hmm. ugly, man. And it's not fun. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel good. You feel great after, but the journey itself, it's dark. It's disturbing. It shows things about ourselves that we're perhaps ashamed of or it just scares us. But the outcome of it, particularly when you're doing it not alone, you're doing it with other people, with, with men, for instance, and I, I know women's circles that do this too. And it's great to do with men and women as well. But particularly in my work, I've just seen the power in doing it with men is when they express the emotion through actually embodying it. And again, mm -hmm. it looks ugly and it doesn't feel good. It's incredible and it's mm -hmm. really relaxing. And the body returns to such a relaxed somatic state so that anything else in the work world, in your personal life, anytime that emotional charge comes up again, you're aware of it. So when I talk about EQ, emotional intelligence, I'm talking about your ability to actually process in the moment. So that when something else happens, you could feel it in your body and you go, oh, that's like anger. Oh, that's sadness or that's grief. Mm -hmm. And you actually have done internal work on that where you have a conscious, competent literacy and the ability to actually recognize it, process it, and then make a decision in your life in the present, as opposed to stuffing it down, keeping it all in the head, and then wondering why later on there's these you know, uncomfortable erotic fantasies that men are having or this passive aggression that comes out or all of these little things where it's going to come out somewhere mm -hmm. and it's not in a productive way. So I like to think about it as turning emotions into constructive 
literacy, constructive mm-hmm. tools for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, one you of the clear, things you, that, can, you can tell I care about that a lot. Right <laughs> one, one of the things that I've been fascinated by is I've been doing that 21 day abundance challenge. It's uh, Deepak Chopra. Deepak and, Chopra's mm-hmm. super popular. They, right they now. started, yeah. and so I, I think we just finished day. 18 or 19 today. And one of the things that Sat Chit Ananda, is that the mantra today? It was, it, it actually was. Mm-hmm. And, um, but one of the things that I wanted to bring up as part of it was I started to read more into kind of his work and the different things mm. that he's done. And you're going one, down the path, my friend, I'm going down the path. And there was one gotta, thing in particular over here to San Diego. Yeah. I certainly am probably going to have to relocate soon within the next couple of months. No, if Austin's, I can. Austin's weird enough. You'll be okay in Austin. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that he said is this, there was a quote by him. He said, it's not self-help, it's self-awareness. Mm, yeah. And I thought it was very interesting and relevant to what you said as far as EQ is oftentimes what I've experienced is in my life, I would accept the definition as the society defines it rather than allowing it to define it for myself. So I believe that this work that you and I are doing, it's not so much about self-help, but it's more about developing your self-awareness when it comes to around topics and just your life in general. The things that you mentioned as far as recognizing the different emotions and how they're impacting you, that's critical. I mean, if you can actually identify or get as close as you can to the origin of whether it's the pain that you're experiencing from suffering or someone else into your, your life that came in and hurt you in a way or the yeah. guilt or the shame, the embarrassment. I think those are very critical skills to develop because they allow you to open up more. And like you said, possibly help you transform from that point that was a painful experience to something that you can actually learn from. And more importantly, I think be a teacher to others. And through that service, help them recognize that, hey, sure. I've experienced shame. I've experienced guilt. But here's what I learned through that journey. Yeah. So now you're going into different territory. You're going into. <laughs> I sure you're, am. <laughs> you're, you're going into, let's take this out of the boardroom activity. And what does this look like in a real sense? That's not the mm-hmm. buttoned up. Let's, let's all play well together and build mm-hmm. a business together, which again, that's a fine place to play. And that, and breath work is fantastic for that space. When we're going to personal development mm-hmm. and the development of the self, that's a totally different space. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is how breath work in particular allows you specifically, you know, uh, you and I, we have shared stories of being adopted mm-hmm. and with, your great work at overcoming odds, we're able to really see all of the journeys that so many incredible people have gone through, but deep trauma, no joke, mm-hmm. really traumatic things have occurred in our lives and in those that, you know, you've interviewed and, and we've gotten to, to, to speak at, you know, speak with at, at your events and breathwork helps you release the trauma aspect of it. And the body keeps a score. Is a fantastic book that goes a little bit more into a scientific lens at why we as humans need to actually allow the body to process the trauma 
and in some of the work I do with the local Lyme community here in San Diego is this is this is how we use breath work actually but what you're talking about is not necessarily an enjoyable journey mm-hmm. because when you continue to do that breath work now this is you know my my story at least and and from what I've gathered from others so I'm curious to hear your perspective where where you're at and, and mm-hmm. what your journey looks like but what ends up happening often is a lot of the stories we've been told by our society by the religion we were brought up in by our parents they all of a sudden it becomes clear that's not my story so you tap deeper into your authentic self and when mm-hmm. you do that it's amazing because you're thinking oh my gosh there is so much more to me than what i've been told or what i've been taught or what i've been shown by others now that's the journey that i'm interested in because mm-hmm. where does that lead i could tell you that leads to innovation that leads to uh, real raw authenticity but it also leads to utter confusion utter paradox other uncomfortability with i'm alone because i'm different i'm mm-hmm. unique and that is beautiful at the same time there's the paradox of it at the same time it feels lonely because mm-hmm. you become aware of the societal paradigms and you no longer want to play in them mm-hmm. because they don't feel they feel incongruent with who you are authentically now that's the calamity of the situation because once you get there it goes how do i honor this self that i can't ignore because i've become aware of it i've awoken the beast the giant within as tony robbins used to say but how do i now align that in a way that actually makes money in the world that allows me to be a productive member and create the future i want my children to walk in that type of stuff that's that's an amazing place to play and it leads to incredible transformative work but it's a uh, it's an uncomfortable journey for sure it is and i think one of the reasons why and and you're right this is certainly taking us down the rabbit hole for a completely different conversation. But right. I think it's worthwhile noting as it connects to the bigger theme as far as when it comes to that breath work. What I've learned is that the more you get into it, you actually embark on a journey within a journey. So you begin to understand more Brother, you just when it comes up. to like shame and guilt and all these memories and understanding that some of the memories might be false memories they've created or, or planted. My, my dad actually, him and I were having a conversation along with my mom and my brother. And we're talking about this briefly about this concept of false memories. And it it made me think of um, 9-11 and how oftentimes I think people can say, Oh, I've, I've seen it happen. I, I saw it on TV, but in reality, they saw it on TV X number of years later through a movie or some other form. Like I can almost say that I saw that I saw it happen in real life, but I didn't. But because I've seen it so many times over and over again through different mediums, different forms, it almost makes me feel like as if I was there. So I think there's a very, it's the society plays a very big role on us as individuals, the more that we develop. And I think the importance of, of questioning as far as why does this exist the way that it does in your world? 
is important to getting closer to that authentic self of who you really are and pursuing the work that maybe you were intended to pursue and that. And once again, that's another completely other conversation as far as intention, because maybe there are some things that have been well, no, I don't think, planted I don't think for that's... you in a way that you tap into and uncover and, and that becomes your yeah. life work. And that's a question I've wrestled with is how much of it is actually within you as far as the mission that, and the work that you're pursuing and how much of that did you actively choose to attract into your life? So let me, let me, let's extrapolate one, one point mm -hmm. that you made there. I actually think it's directly related to a major pain point that we see in our world, mm -hmm. which is we all in our world, at least, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I would still put my money on everybody, but I know at least in our world, mm -hmm. we want to do our greatest work, meaning our life, we want to leave an element of a legacy. Now, we don't mean egocentric legacy, meaning like my name is on every building, even though that's often one way in which it gets expressed. What we really mean is, why am I here and did I do it? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this could be in your work. This could literally be in your state of being. But I think what we all really want is to find out, okay, why? Like, you know, Simon Sinek talks about the why. Mm -hmm. But if you go even deeper than what Simon Sinek talks about, if you go to the soul level, the descent to soul, why am I here? What about me and my story and my background and the place in which I was born into and what's going on in the world? Why am I here and what can I do with it? That Those two sentences right there take a lifetime, I think, to accomplish. But the stuff that we're talking about, the breath work, mm -hmm. the meditation, that's what it's all left to do is to help us really tap deep within, peel away all of the layers of, you know, it's called Maya in mm -hmm. yogic or Buddhist text, which just means illusion. And when we pull all that away and we actually realize, oh, this is my purpose. And it often comes out as a very, very almost kindergarten sounding statement, right? My mm -hmm. purpose is. But that's the truth. So then you, once you become aware of that, of your actual deep soul centric purpose, okay, let's actually put that out into the world. I think that's what we're all really after. And that's an utterly, utterly beautiful journey. And it takes courageous people like you to create a community and a platform to bring these people together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I appreciate that. This is probably a loaded question, but I hope it's one that can help us steer a little bit back on track. But where do you get your knowledge from and, and who do you listen to when it comes to breath work? And are there stages to it as far as some people are, are better for kind of a beginner level and then intermediate and advanced? And if so, who are some of those people that people can possibly research and sure. in their work? So first Besides of all, yours, yeah. obviously, of course. First of all, what's the track? You had said, get us back on track. And I'm speaking rhetorically here, but uh -huh. if we're talking about breath work, Correct. This, is the, this is the journey. Breath work takes you inside. Breath work makes you become more aware of who you are. 
-hmm. And then when you become more aware of who you are, you become more literate, more skilled at mm -hmm. how to actually bring who you are into the world from the internal to the external. That's what breathwork is all about. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, you know, I'm joking on that, obviously. <laughs> uh, I'm joking about the, the track part, but the, that, that, is, that is literally what it's about. So in terms of you asked resources, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, people like me, I, I, this is what I teach. This is what uh, I lead my clients through. But if you wanted to go into more of like the background, uh, David Elliott is a fantastic uh, teacher currently alive who leads more of a holotrophic type of breathing that takes people uh, deep inside. Mm -hmm. And you can do, he has a lot of skilled teachers throughout the world that uh, you can do a David Elliott inspired, inspired class. I just think he's fantastic. He's really a truly authentic, uh, beautiful man who, who does great work. So he's really good. I think the reason though I bring him up is because he's really good at taking people through trauma. Mm. And there's a lot of people that will talk about breath work, but they don't realize the actual traumatic result sometimes of putting people through breath work. So you got to be very careful if you're doing uh, a holotrophic style of breath work because it could actually bring up deep trauma in people and you don't mm -hmm. just want to then let them go out into the world. The, the body needs to actually relax and you need to return to homeostasis. So David Elliott's fantastic. He has a few tracks on Spotify. You can take a look at his stuff. Uh, if you want to go deeper into the research, you can take a look at uh, The Discovery of Self. It's a book that Stanislav Grof wrote. Stanislav Grof is a researcher. He's still alive today, though he's, I think, in his 90s. He's the founder of the Esalen Institute over in Big Sur, which is kind of like the West Coast version of the Omega Institute on the East Coast. But Stanislav Grof, uh, he dedicated his work to understanding the psyche in relation to psychedelics. Once psychedelics became banned in the 70s and he no longer, no longer was able to do LSD-assisted therapy, he then discovered with his wife, Christine Na, I believe, or Christine, breathing. And he noticed that uh, elongated form, so an extended duration of intense breathing, again, the active inhale, relaxed exhale, same thing David, David Elliott does in combination with music, in combination with some body work, can take you into uh, the holotrophic realm, which is essentially an expanded way to look at your present reality. Mm. So it allows you to sort of take a look at the self from a different perspective. So he's my go-to personally, Stanislav Grof, because he's a clinical researcher. Uh, it's very, very, very heavy, intense, not easy read, but he's the person I usually go to and I found super fascinating because he worked with Jung, he knew Joseph Campbell, like he was around during that time where a lot of the people that I deeply admire, uh, he, was, he was hanging out with and, and doing his work with. So Stanislav Grof's work is uh, really, really quite, quite incredible. Anyone who wants to read any of the yogic texts, you'll take a look at uh, the, the yogi style of, of, of breathing. Mm -hmm. I personally love Kabbalabhati breathing, which is fire breath, which is derived from the Kundalini lineage. Uh, the circular breathing is derived from the Tantra lineage. So 
it's hard to sort of say like go here because mm -hmm. each lineage has different ways of using the breath in a way to help you actualize the self. But David Elliott has great, I think, fantastic Spotify tracks to listen to to free or for free. Uh, you can listen to my meditations, obviously, on Insight Timer. I don't go too deep into breath work, though I use breath to drop you into a meditative state, which then puts the brain into theta wave state, which is a state where you feel comfortable and relaxed and open. Uh, and then Stanislav Grof is my go-to in terms of clinical research. And then you can go to any of, you, know, you can go to Yogananda, you can go to any of the other mystics out there if you want to go into more of the uh, non-Western scientific lens, but that all depends on the person's worldview. Mm. Mark, what's the best way that people can get in touch with you and your work? Thanks for asking. So you can head to my website, markwgway.me. I'm sure you'll provide a, a link to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't really use social media, to be completely honest with you, but people can send me an email through the website. There's a contact form there. And uh, always happy to engage with people. You can find my meditations on Insight Timer. They're absolutely free. And there'll be a couple new ones going up within the next few months that go a little bit deeper into this breath work. Mm. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being a guest and thank you more importantly for being someone that I can always count on as a friend and just as a person in general, when it comes to whatever it is, I, I admire your work for what it's done and more importantly for who you have become and, and actively trying to become. I think mm -hmm. there's a, a lot to say within that as far as how you choose to serve other people through your lived experience and help people transform their previous experiences into something that they may not have seen before. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, same to you. I really appreciate the work that you do. And I completely forgot we were, we were recording by the way, <laughs> felt like we're just hanging out here. So mm -hmm. yeah, especially with this coronavirus time where this is the only way that we hang out with people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of our latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review so more people can get in touch with these inspiring stories. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.